Thank you for downloading the PR Week, PR Week's weekly podcast. For more podcasts as well as breaking news, visit PRWeek.com. Thank you for downloading the PR Week, PR Week's weekly podcast. For more podcasts as well as breaking news, visit PRWeek.com. Hello and welcome to the PR Week, PR Week's regular weekly roundup of everything that matters in the worlds of PR and communications. My name's Steve Barrett. I'm the editorial director of PR Week and I guide you gently through another show, another busy week. And uh, we have a new co-host this week, Alida Stam is joining me, our uh, reporter. How are you doing, Alida? Good to be doing a show with you. Yeah, it's good to be back. It's been a couple of months since the last time I was on. Yeah, have I done one with you? I'm not sure I have. I think it might have been Frank posting when you did it last time. I don't remember. A few and Please. far between. Yeah, I know. Time, time flies by. And we've got a brilliant guest today. We've got David Kine, who's the CEO of Evoke Kine. How are you doing, David? Really well, Steve. Um, great to be here. Nice to be with you and Alida. Um, looking forward to our chat. Yeah, calling in from uh, Dublin in Ireland and uh, trying to avoid all the uh, annoying English people who are crowing about the uh, soccer results. So, um, But uh, we'll try not to dwell on that too much. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to talk to David and then we'll uh, run through a few news stories that have been uh, around this week. Taneo CEO Declan Kelly has stood down. Um, amid a bit of a crisis over at that agency. Kate Cronin is leaving Ogilvy to go and work on the client side at Moderna. We'll find out about that. There's an FTI survey on the future of newsrooms. We'll find out more about that. And then Marriott Bonvoy is uh, doing a TikTok campaign called The Power of Travel. May Oreo, could this happen? This Twitter thing blew up. Could it become a reality? We'll find out. And we'll round up people moves. Still loads of people moves around. Um, it's uh, still a big trend. But, uh, David, we'll start with you. Tell us uh, the full skinny, well, not the, the, the brief full skinny on Evoke Kind. You were acquired by Huntsworth in 2019, um, health specialist agency and, and lots of other good stuff. So uh, talk us through where you're at and how's, how's it been during pandemic? Yeah, great, Steve. So, yeah, we were acquired uh, in 2019 um, by Evoke and, and merged with uh, Evoke PR and Influence, existing communications agency within Evoke to, to create Evoke Kind. Um, and uh, obviously, you know, we, we had a nice first nine month runway and um, 12 month runway of integration before the pandemic hit. Um, but it's been going um, very well under the circumstances, I think. You know, when you come together as, as two agencies, culture is extremely important um, and you have to really go and create the new culture, which is what we've been doing with some fantastic partners um, in the offices in Philadelphia and London, New York, L.A., as, as well as as well as Dublin. Um, and, and we've had a really um, amazing uh, journey so far. And I think. What you really want to do is ensure that you're adding to each other. We, we, we got a real boost, especially with traditional media, social media, um, and, and we're able to really offer each other some different some different capabilities that that the agencies on their own didn't have, and that's really been something clients um, have been responding to very well. So very excited about that, and, and obviously. In terms of the pandemic, for as with everyone, it's been an extremely challenging year. Um, we we were somewhat used to working remotely because because we worked remotely on Fridays for a while, um, and we've we've done well working across office and geographies, and, and, and we, we we tend to have a, 
have a lot of geographies working very closely together, teams from multiple offices working closely together, really based on expertise versus versus geography. So in that respect, it, it was okay. But we also have been quite involved um, in the COVID response, um, uh, both, both with some of our, our, our pharma clients, but also um, with Pandemic Action Network, which was an initiative that we, we founded, co-founded back in April 2020. So in some respects, it was COVID all the time. Um, and you're looking, trying to look after your staff, uh, mental health, uh, ensuring we can be as flexible as possible. And then also the day job, very focused on the pandemic um, and, our, and our own family. So I think we've handled it. Um, I'm very proud about how we've handled it. I think it's been empathetic um, and we've we've tried to really uh, listen to what our what our people need. And as we as we look to our return to work, we're really, really embracing that. Yeah, I think um, healthcare is very very strong at um, Huntsworth, isn't it? And, um, you know, you're a great addition to that part of their business. And I think you knew Paul Tafe, who's the CEO over there from your time at Hill and Knowlton back in the day. Yeah, that's right. Um, so when I when I was the head of healthcare uh, for the New York office, working with Anna Maria de Salva, uh, Paul, Paul was the CEO of H&K at the time. Um, so we've, we've always stayed in touch. I've always loved working with him. So um, that was you know, always um, a really good fit for, for me personally. Um, and also uh, working with Reed Connolly, CEO of Evoke. Um, it has been really nice to work in a more integrated environment. And, and, and that's, you know, very much where we're headed in terms of um, an integrated agency and, and building that up. And we're seeing a lot of growth across the whole group, which is, yeah. which is really exciting. Yeah, now Anna Maria is the CEO of H and K, so it's all come it's all come full circle, hasn't it? Yeah, exactly. Um, tell us about the bit more about that pandemic action network because that sounds interesting. What what was it? Was it like a cross industry thing, and what what was the objective, and how and how has it helped over the past twelve months? Yeah, actually, so so my co-founders and I, so so um, Eloise Todd, Carolyn Reynolds. And Gabrielle Fitzgerald, we, we, we had worked previously on the response to Ebola and in malaria. Um, uh, uh, Carolyn and Gabrielle, uh, you know, they came from the World Bank and, and the, the Gates Foundation previously. So very much from a policy advocacy side. And we brought the communications aspect to that. So that's really how it was formed. And it was really formed to help connect public and private organizations in the response to COVID, but right from the day one, looking forward to future pandemic preparedness. So post Ebola, we we, we had um, spoken to a lot of organizations about what could happen if there was a global pandemic, but until it happens, you don't necessarily always have the the right response and, and attention on it. And obviously there's there's been a big interest given given what we've all just been through and are still going through. So there, there are policy and advocacy objectives, um, everything from, uh, you know, equitable distributions of, of vaccinations globally to, to ensuring there's enough funding for this response and future responses. Uh, and then also on the communication side, really creating the hub for best practices, looking at um, vaccine education and, and, and overcoming hesitancy um, are, are some of our priorities. So, so we have a variety of organizations, public, private, uh, tech companies, big foundations, 
uh, pharma companies as well who are really coming together uh, to create a forum to share, you know, not only best practices, but but a blueprint for where we need to head to prevent future pandemics. Yeah, it was kind of shocking, wasn't it? The how poorly prepared um, governments and health systems were throughout the whole world, actually. And um, but on the other hand, the response, and especially on the vaccines, was incredibly swift. You know, so it was it's kind of a mishmash, isn't it? There was a lot of problems in the early days with a with a lack of preparedness, and people had been warning about this, and not least the Gates Foundation, I think. So, um, but you know. Uh, people are going to take it a lot more seriously, aren't they, after the last 12 months? Yeah, no, I think so. And, and you know, having, having done quite a bit of work, um, especially on the Ebola outbreak in, in West Africa and, and seeing what happened previously with, with SARS in Asia, uh, a lot of public health experts were not surprised at all that, that a pandemic of this nature was coming. Now, exactly what, what, what it would look like was always, was always somewhat of an unknown. Um, and, and I think what has obviously changed this is the truly global nature of it and, and yeah. you know, not being able to live within your own household or go out your own front door without being impacted by it obviously really sort of changed the focus of people. But but as you said, the, the, the response from from the, the healthcare, frontline healthcare professionals to the pharmaceutical industry around around. Um, the vaccines um, has just been phenomenal and and really to be able to go from eight months from from zero to have a vaccine um, distributed um, across you know not not as much as we want to distribute it across the globe but but to 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 be able to manufacture and and distribute is is an unbelievable feat and and you know I think a huge uh, recognition for all the work that goes into research and development and and a real opportunity, obviously, um, recognition for for uh, science and, and what that means and how important it is in our lives. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, just to tell us a bit about, I mean, healthcare obviously was one sector that had a pretty good year for obvious reasons. Um, did you see that in your agency? And how are you now sort of looking forwards in terms of returning people to offices? And, and how are you approaching that? Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think I'm sure, like like many of our colleagues across across multiple industries, right right at the beginning, there were, there was a period, a little period of unknown, and 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 what does this mean for patients, you know, across the board? Because because so much of health systems were were focused on COVID, um, you had to think about cancer patients and and patients with heart disease that they, they, people were still getting sick. So ensuring that the focus did not completely go off those patients, but under this lens of COVID, what did that mean? So, you know, I, our, our clients and, and ourselves kept working across the board for what we were doing. Uh, we had a very strong year, strong growth, and, and a very busy year. Um, and also we're able to bring that expertise we have in public health and COVID and vaccines into all of our work um, because it was hard to do to do any kind of healthcare communications without the, at least the backdrop of COVID and, and understanding where we were. So, um, and, and, you know, we were had a very, you know, we're looking at a very strong year this year as well. And, you know, clients are very committed to the patients that they serve and, and patients are, um, you know, patients still, still need to, to be educated, still need to have access to medicines. And, and we're very focused on that. 
And then for returning to work, we, 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 we did a lot of work across our offices. And obviously, there is a lot of um, geography-specific things that we need to think about. I'm looking at the local public health. So where I am in Dublin is very different to, to, to where we are in New York and Philadelphia, uh, which is different to London in terms of, you know, how, how are we looking at a return and when. So but we, 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 we pulled together a program we called Work Where You Work Best, which is really focused on uh, optionality, whether that's, uh, you know, remote, uh, long-term remote working, a hybrid and, um, you know, more, more in office full time. And like many companies, you know, that there's a big appetite for this hybrid model. And as we get moving, I think you can feel, you can feel the energy of wanting to go back to, um, to an office and, and you can see the, the validation of, of more flexibility. And, and I think as in September we start going back into offices, it'll be interesting to see you know, people who begin with wanting to go back a day or two, uh, I, I can see people wanting to go back more than that, depending on what, on what they need to do. And, uh, you know, I, I think we'll, we'll see how all of that evolves. But I think being flexible, supporting people um, uh, and, and trusting them that they can get their work done and, and they will know when they, when they need to be off in the office and when that's beneficial and, and then creating the environment and resources so that they can do that safely has been a focus of, of everything we've been doing. Yeah, you don't want people coming back into um, the office and, uh, you know, just, just sitting there doing Zoom calls, right? You might as well be at home if you're doing that. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's a strange dynamic, isn't it? It's almost like people want to get back to the office, but they, they kind of don't as well. You know, it's, it's, it's a bit of a, a slightly double-edged thing. And people are, have been away for so long that it's all, it's all very strange. But uh, yeah, I'll take a lot of navigating for sure. So uh, looking forward to seeing how that pans out. Well, uh, good to chat to you, David. And we'll get your input on the news stories that we're going to discuss. Alida, let's start off with Taneo. Some troubles over there at the, that high-end consultancy. And the CEO, Declan Kelly, has stood down. Tell us all about it. Yeah, so co-founder and CEO uh, Declan Kelly, he resigned um, after getting into some hot water. Um, he admitted that he behaved inappropriately while drunk at a charity event chaired by Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. And after uh, pressure to step down um, from companies like GM, who severed ties with the consultancy, he did so. He was also removed from the board of anti-poverty charity Global Citizen, um, and the irony is certainly not lost on me that the CEO of a top CEO advisory firm had to resign for his inadvisable behavior. Yes, indeed. Um, um, it, it's incredible, really. He's also the guy, I don't know if you remember at the Super Bowl, I think it was last year, there was a guy photographed asleep um, in the stands, who obviously well refreshed, and that, that was Mr. <laughs> Kelly as well. So, um, yeah, I think he's seeking um, treatment for his, his health problems. But so, yeah, it's not the only thing happening over there because they're they're um, the head of their strategy PR business left in May, Rick Powell, and in um, December, Doug Band, who was his co-founder, left the agency after a Vanity Fair article detailing the cooling of a relationship with Bill Clinton, and which didn't go down very well with uh, the agency and the clients. So lots of turbulency over there and lots of change. It's, it's, um, the agency was 
um, a, a CVC partners, a private equity firm, bought a majority stake in Taneo last year. But uh, Declan Kelly still holds, I think, uh, the majority of the minority stakes. So he'll still be involved as an owner. But he, he they founded the agency in 2011, him and Doug Band. And uh, yeah, turbulent times. And as you say, um, if you're advising people on um, strategy and CEO positioning, that's not a good look. And uh, I think uh, Kelly had to go, but I think because otherwise a lot of other clients may have walked out the door and they may still do so. You you don't know what's going to happen. But they were very squarely in this sort of proudly, we we charge, you know, more than any other consultancy and we're worth it, right? And we deal directly with the CEO and that was very much their positioning. So not a a great look. Um, David, I mean, you probably can't comment about that specifically but it just goes to show the importance of you know if you're in the advisory business and the you know counseling reputation business you've got to be very careful about your own reputation yeah absolutely and and i think you know inappropriate behavior um as has been described in the media at least really has no place in any kind of workplace um or in any kind of society to be frank so you know whether whether that's Within a firm or a workplace or outside of that, I think I think um, uh, you know we're hoping to come a long way from from that kind of behaviour. So so I, I think it's very hard to excuse. Yeah, that's and it was uh, the nonprofit was um, you know there was a lot of involvement by CVC Partners, that private equity firm. So yeah, um, turbulent times over at Taneo. We'll see how uh, the agency. Um, prospers uh, or not uh, in the absence of Declan Kelly, although he he, he retains that ownership uh, stake. Tell us about Sir Kate Cronin leaving Ogilvy. That was a bit of a surprise, the leader, but a great new move for her. Yeah, it was. Um, so she was she had been at Ogilvy Health for 17 years and was just promoted to uh, global CEO in October 2020. Um, but she has left to be the chief brand officer at Moderna. Um, Ogilvy Health has been growing particularly over the last year or so. We saw a lot of the general boom in healthcare during the pandemic, but it's uh, not hard to understand the appeal of a job at Moderna, a brand so closely tied to the vaccination effort. Yeah, very high profile job. Um, David, I don't know if you know Kate. She's a very well regarded uh, healthcare um, practitioner. So uh, interesting to see a high profile person go over to the client side. Do you, do you, um, what, what would your advice be to someone going to that side? Because um, it, it's, it's a different, it's very different, isn't it? It's almost like you, you go from having lots of clients to having one client, you know, get the company you work for. Yeah, no, you know, I, I think it's very exciting to see. Um, uh, I, you know, I obviously know of Kate um, and, and has, has a great reputation. And I think the timing going to Moderna and, and even just today's news that, that Moderna appears to be effective against the Delta variant um, and, and, and the whole science but behind mRNA uh, vaccines is just extremely exciting because she's going to a company that is looking at this technology that has been um, such a, a key part of, of, of the vaccine response when it comes to COVID, what it means for other patients and, and what it means in cancer and in other diseases. So, so I think it's really exciting. And in terms of advice um, going to a company like that, I'm, I'm sure um, Kate, is, Kate is so experienced in this area, but I, I think understanding Moderna's purpose, and I'm sure that will be a big focus and being able to articulate that 
um, is extremely important to stakeholders. I think the pharmaceutical industry has one of the best opportunities um, it, it, it has had um, uh, given the response to COVID. And I, I, I read some of Sally Sussman's notes um, around Pfizer's experience as well going through COVID and, and just the reputational um, bounce, I think, that that an opportunity that's in front of the industry is enormous and genuine and, and warranted. And I think it will be a real uh, opportunity to, to, to be able to copper fasten that for, for Kate um, working at Moderna. Yeah, uh, Sally Sisman was actually at the G7 meeting with the Pfizer CEO, Albert Baller. So, um, yeah, very high high profile roles. And we wish Kate well, um, great person, and uh, wish her well, she, she, a great opportunity. Um, and a big uh, high profile job going at Ogilvy. So, uh, yeah. Tell us about this FTI survey, a leader on the future of newsrooms. Like we're, we're all thinking about the future of workplace. And what, what does this uh, study have to say? Yeah, so this was FTI Consulting's, their FTI survey, the future of the newsroom post-pandemic. I know, like you said, everyone is thinking about what work is going to look like after the pandemic. And they surveyed reporters and editors from national publications across the country. And as a journalist, I can say what the survey found solidified, what we've been dealing with, you know, throughout the pandemic. Um, Some 65% of journalists said the reporting process has been harder Uh, with nearly 85% saying that not being able to meet sources in person was a challenge, and 77% citing the lack of in-person contact with their colleagues. Um, Despite that, as we shift back to working into offices, only 16% um, said that they'd be back in the newsroom every day compared to 62% before the pandemic. And instead, almost three-quarters of them said that they expect to be in newsrooms um, to be a hybrid model few days in, few days out. So I'm not sure what our future newsroom will look like. I'm sure, Steve, you have a better idea. But I have to say that onboarding during a pandemic, I can certainly say that I miss meeting sources face to face. Yeah. Um, we've never met, have we? No. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of bizarre. You know, um, you've been working for us for, you know, nearly a year now. And um, we've never actually met in person. So it's kind of we know each other well, obviously, but we've never met. So yeah, will we be able to bring our cats into work, though, Alita? That's the big question. If only. <laughs> um, yeah. What about what do you think, David? What are you hearing from your media contacts about about the specifics of the newsroom and back to work after COVID? Not back to work. We've all been working really hard, but back to the office after COVID. Yeah. No, I think it's reflected reflected in the survey that that there will be you know a hybrid model and and when you think about reporters having some quiet time to actually sit down and write maybe maybe that's fine to do that at home, but I, I I'm I'm really struck by that um, statistic around you know just being able to meet in person with with sources and and also CEOs wanting to um, you know speak and sit down. And, you know, look the reporter in the eyes because it's all about trust. And the pandemic has really shown us that, you know, trust in science um, and in healthcare is more important than ever. And the role of journalists um, is more important than ever. And I I think there is something with everything we've been through around misinformation and conspiracy theories and uh, a, a lot of what went on during the pandemic that has made people want to return to well well what is the source of this information and 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 who's writing about it and where are they getting their information and that needs to be grounded in science and 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 all of that comes back to having a real relationship 
And I think that that's where, you know, some of this is coming from. And, you know, it makes me optimistic that that the role of journalists will continue um, to be very important because I think it is extremely important and that, that you know, um, the, the, this direct contact and being able to sit down and, and have an actual relationship is not going away anytime soon. Yeah, we hope we can contribute, and uh, we are looking forward to getting back to meeting people face. Still starting to do it now, actually, to be honest, but we're, we're not back in the office yet, but we are starting to meet contacts again. So, uh, yeah. Uh, Alida, we love a good TikTok story on PR Week, so tell us about this Marriott Von Bonvoy activation. Yeah, so Marriott Bonvoy has made its desire known to get people traveling again. So it's it's made its debut on TikTok. Um, it's always interesting when a company decides to jump on the platform. Um, and they're doing a 27 influencer campaign meant to encourage people to use the brand's uh, loyalty program when they do plan their next trip. Um, so the campaign invites users to share personal travel memories as video using an original sound uh, created in the Marriott bon- Bonvoy campaign commercial spots. So it plays on this growing trend of millennials and Gen Z on social media, reminiscing about pre-pandemic travel and sharing videos about what it was like to go you know, before the pandemic. But then the videos feel a little bit more, you know, heartstring tugging mini movies using the professional voiceover. So, yeah. That sounds weird, doesn't it? Nostalgic about pre-pandemic. But, uh, yeah, Uh, that's an industry that's had a terrible time, obviously, um, in the last 12 months. So it's good to see that travel's picking up again. Although we've done stories like the airlines, you know, not being able to fulfill the flights because they've, you know, they they can't get the the staff to to, – work on the on the plane so uh, what about uh, david what you know tiktok and these lots of new channels to lots of new ways of engaging with um, consumers you know we've seen the rise of audio social networks how do you uh, approach that and at uh, evoke kind and do you do you have a sort of group of young people you know working for you who are very well versed in that media themselves you know that really get it yeah, absolutely. And, and I think, you know, you know, sound in, um, uh, as well as visual um, is is such an important trend in, in terms of uh, Instagram stories, TikTok videos, Clubhouse, all all of those formats, I think, are really important. And, and you know, and, and our social our social media team or media team are very, very well versed in that. And I, I do find this particular story with Marriott as well really interesting. I'll, I'll disclose we do not work for them at all, but I am a big personal fan of Marriott because I've traveled so much and I'm part of this program. Uh, so it is nice to see this. I think that the one thing we'll have to just continue to be mindful of is is geography. So where in the US and in the UK and across Europe, there's there are people starting to travel for a huge part of the world that's nowhere near. So I think what you're going to have to just be mindful of with these social platforms is if they're truly global, understanding where that's going and understanding that your your audience is in a very different place and and, and maybe a long way before they're looking forward to these kinds of trips. So, um, but but I re- actually really this campaign is I think think really clever and a, and a really good use of the platform. Yeah, there's said a tough year at Marriott, not just because of that. Their CEO Anna Sorensen died of cancer in February, and he did a very emotional video last year. You know, responding to 
um, having to make job cuts, very authentic, and uh, it was very moving actually to watch it. So yeah, um, tough year for them, and, and I hope to see uh, things coming back for them this year. Um, mayonnaise and Oreos, Alida, is that uh, your bag? And why has this come up? It's another social media meme, isn't it? Yes, and um, one of the other crazy things to come off the internet. Um, so for the last several years, Heinz has created flavor mashups with uh, signature flavors mixed into one bottle. I'm not sure if you've seen them on the, in the grocery store. Um, they've released mayo chuck, which is ketchup and mayo, buffalo ranch, buffalo hot sauce and ranch, and honey racha, sort of a sweet sriracha sauce. So playing on the joke of condiment pairings that some might find unpalatable, a social media user created a doctored photo of a new mashup, Mayorio, which was meant to be a mixture of mayonnaise and an Oreo cookies and cream topping. Um, so Heinz confirmed that the picture wasn't real, but a tweet from the company's official account called the mixture intriguing. Oreo confirmed to us at PR Week that the picture isn't real and there are no plans to make such, <clears throat> as I would say, an abomination. <laughs> yeah, they got into some banter on uh, social, which is a, a trend between brands, isn't it? And can work quite well. Um, but uh, yeah, well, you know, one of the things is I never, I never go in store now, so I get all my shopping delivered. So you don't have that same sort of browsing experience where you might see things like that on the shelf and think, oh, wow, okay, I'm going to try that. So you've got to communicate in different ways to get to audiences that don't necessarily shop in store. It's another another example of that, isn't it, David, the way social media is changing and, and, and getting to consumers, especially younger consumers. Yeah. And I, and I think, um, you know, humor as well is obviously a, a very good way to, to to get that message out there and it can be done extremely well and i don't know if you remember the april fool's google video where they had the self-driving bicycle and, and um, i don't know if you saw that one but i thought i just that was so clever it was done very well it was it was almost ridiculous and, and it was you know i think a really good way to do it but that has backfired that backfired a little bit i think on volkswagen when when they tried to do the Volkswagen, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. um, so so I think the source of of these these memes is really important, and and if you're if you're a brand uh, or an agency looking to push this work out, I think I think that is important because there's a bit of a fine line between between humor and trying to you know um, you, you know create a lack of trust in in the in, in the source of the material. So I think that balances. Um, is really important to get out there. So um, when something pops up and the source isn't really known, I think that's, you know, there's going to be more questioning about, well, what is the source of this? So we just need to make sure we're prepared to answer that. Yeah, that Volkswagen thing was so tone deaf. It was almost unbelievable. You couldn't even, you, you just couldn't believe that anyone would sign that off. But um, hopefully they didn't run it past their PR department before before they did. But uh, that was crazy. But yeah, you're right. Um, and some brands are doing some real, really good at that. You know, Wendy's springs to mind, and we cover a lot of those brands on PR Week. So uh, it's good to see the different applications. Just finally, Alida, lots more people moves this week. Just give us a quick roundup of the most high profile ones. Sure, I'll try to run through these. Um, so other than Kate Cronin, um, we have BCW has picked up Weber Shanwick alum Aaron Shea to lead its Chicago market. Um, she spent time at Edelman and was a freelancer, writer and editor um, with work featured in the New York Times, Chicago Tribune, Women's Health, etc. 
Um, McDonald's is bolstering its comms department. Um, Pamela Goldstein was promoted to director of crisis communications after being hired as a media relations manager in September 2019. She's worked at Edelman uh, and spent time at the Obama White House. And then we have De Janeiro Communications is building out its leadership team. They've promoted 11-year veteran Mary Elizabeth Ghanem to SVP and director of the agency's newly formed creative media and marketing practice. And they also brought on new leads for their tech and consumer and lifestyle practices, which they're sort of formalizing in their own right. Uh, medical apparel brand Janu hired Dan Adler, former head of marketing for Nike Golf, uh, and its first, as its first chief marketing officer, excuse me. And they brought in another Nike alum, Scott Shepley, as VP of brand marketing. And then weight loss app Noom brought on Aaron Kumo as brand senior manager of social and community. And he's been at Target and also worked at Carmichael Lynch Relate before that. Yeah, it's a really hot people market. Loads of job moves around. So uh, really interesting to see all these people moves each week. So uh, uh, interesting stuff gives us lots to write about. Uh, David, thanks so much for joining us. Um, good to chat to you and continued good fortune. And uh, greetings back to Ireland. Um, uh, haven't been to Dublin for a while, but I'm looking forward to the time when I – well, actually, I flew through it, but then uh, I wasn't able to fly back because uh, – visitors were banned from the uk so that's that's another story but uh, good to chat anyway yeah great to chat to you both uh hope hope you do get over here soon um if if you do win the euros as an english fan you might you might want to take a little a little more time but um, yeah yeah, yeah. see how you're over anyway great to chat david and alida great doing the show with you thanks for being the co-host this week always um, a pleasure yeah um, yeah, so a couple of announcements. PR Decoded is our annual conference that's taking place in October from the 12th to the 14th, and we'll have the Purpose Awards on the 13th in the middle of that event. TBD yet yeah, on whether we're going to be doing physical elements to those, but we'll get be back to you shortly on that. And the 40 Under 40 celebration on the 28th of October, again, with with we're considering doing that as a physical event as well. But uh, that's all we've got time for this week. We'll see you next time on the PR Week. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the PR Week. To find more episodes, visit prweek.com.